0: Hi, I'm Lisa Crittenden. I'm the Chief Executive Officer of Lois Ann's Hope House.
1: I'm Steve Socoli with Compassion Restoration Ministries.
2: My name is Michael Elliott. I'm the Executive Director at Serve in Stafford County.
3: My name is David Cooper. I'm the Executive Director of the Thurman Brisbane Center in Fredericksburg, Virginia.
2: We have three things that's part of our mission. One is we provide emergency food to those that need it once a month. We provide utilities assistance to those that need it in the heating and cooling season. And one of the sweetest things that we do at SERVE is we assist our seniors and our disabled veterans obtain their prescription medication. I got a firewood ministry that heats anywhere from 16 to
1: 20 homes every winter. Then we roll into got construction uh, ministry that does disaster relief and also local projects, a lot of um, Roofing jobs, handicap ramps, repairing subfloors in in homes. And then, of course, one of the most active right now is the transportation ministry, where we take donated cars, fix those up, and give them away to people.
0: So Lois Ann's Hope House's mission is no family homeless. It's taking families off the street. Those families and children need a place to put their head down at night to stay warm.
3: We provide emergency shelter for about 80 people at a time. Those are women, children, and men. We look for people's strengths and capabilities, and we focus on those to help to equip them for long-term success.
2: Last year at SERV, we're excited because we were able to provide 248,000 pounds of food to over 7,000 people. Just this year, at Thanksgiving and at Christmas, we're prepared to support 375 families with 22,000 pounds of food.
1: We're uh, giving away about 50 plus cars every year to families in the local area. And then again, repairing about another 50 vehicles
3: as well. We provide about 63% of all emergency shelters across the planning districts. uh, 68 families. We had 48 military veterans. We
0: don't have an industrial setting. We have homes that are set up and designed for families to maintain a routine. We needed a stove for our families to cook on and so because you all helped us purchase that stove every day they are providing food um, and nurturing items for their families
1: the mount provides the bulk of our funding having the money coming from people who uh, donate to mount errat is a great thing
3: mount errat is helpful in a multitude of ways not only financially but through your volunteerism As well as just your prayerful support.
0: Because of your contributions, your support, you give, we help, we're making a difference. You have
2: been our partner in food donations, you have been our partner in volunteering, and you've been our partner with financial resources.
1: So because you give, we can make a difference. You is all of us. We are to be a community that love God and love the community, love those around us. So that's you, and I'm included in you. But then we, we at Compassion Restoration would love that you become part of we so that we can make
2: a difference. We can truly say after 40 years, you are a partner that sustained the relationship with SERVE. Thank you.
1: So because you give,
2: we can make a difference. Because you give, we can make a difference. Because you give, we can make a can make a difference
0: because you give we can make a difference come on in a good yeah. Yeah.
4: so if you missed the subtle message there because you give <laughs> we get to give and we get to make a difference here locally and globally. Those are just a few of our local partners and I'm just telling you, we partner with some groups that are getting it done. And more people are being cared for and served in a very direct way because of your generous giving. And so let's just continue to do that. Hey listen, we've got about 15 more days to give here in 2019 as we continue to, to serve. And I just want to encourage you to keep giving. You know, keep giving in a generous way so that we can continue to grow and this ability to make a difference. Well, good morning to you and welcome to the Mount today. Welcome, Stafford campus. Welcome, Pastor Andrew and our Fredericksburg campus down south. And welcome to all of you that are watching online today. Man, it is hard to believe we're one week away from Christmas. Come on, one week away. Is that not crazy? Or what? When you start thinking about this, how, how it kind of sneaks up on us, it's just wild to think that we get this opportunity. Now, listen, I'm going to give kind of a Stafford push here for a minute. We start Christmas on Monday, not Sunday. Sunday, we're going to have a normal gathering here. But on Monday and Tuesday is going to be our outreach services here, and at Fredericksburg, it's going to be on Tuesday. Friday, actually Monday night, we got two opportunities for you to invite someone to come with you. I want to encourage you to invite someone to come on Monday so it will free up some on Tuesday. So come. Let's pack out both of those services. Don't come alone. Bring somebody with you as we get to experience Christmas at the Mount together. Just really want to encourage you that. Now, you have a Bible. Turn with me to Ruth chapter 2. I'm going to give you a head start. It's a small little book in the Old Testament. We started there last Sunday, and today we're going to continue our No Joy Christmas series. Now, as you're turning to Ruth 2, what I love about this Old Testament story is that it takes place in Bethlehem. Maybe you've heard of something else that took place in Bethlehem. So we're just getting a head start. We're starting Christmas early in 1050 B.C. is the storyline of Ruth. And it happens in the place where Jesus will be born a thousand years later. Now, if you were with us last Sunday, we looked specifically at this woman named Naomi. Naomi was married to a guy named Elimelech, and they had two sons, and a famine hit Israel. And they decided to move out of Judah and to move to this foreign country called Moab. Well, last week in chapter 1, Naomi is finally returning home. But some hard things happened while she was away. While she was living in Moab, her husband dies. And her sons marry, they get married to Moabite women, and then her two sons pass away as well. And so now this woman returns a decade later, and she returns with one of her daughter-in-laws returning with her. So you could say Naomi was a returner. Say that with me, both campuses. Say the word returner. Come on returner you know this idea of coming back somewhere where you once were had been and to come back after the pain of this last 10 years and to come back with now a story you have to share I wonder what Naomi was thinking how am I going to be treated as I return well today we're going to look at the other person in the story we're going to look at Ruth and I want us to think about Ruth because Ruth is also coming with her to Bethlehem and Ruth has never been here before Ruth, born and raised in Moab, and she has also had a very difficult story. Because guess what? Not only did she get married, her husband passed away before she was able to have a child. And she makes the decision to come with Naomi to Bethlehem. Yet she's not returning, she's coming as an outsider, An outsider who's unmarried, an outsider with no children, an outsider with no source of income. And this idea of being an outsider is going to be her introduction to Bethlehem. How is she going to be treated as an outsider? You ever thought about that? I want us to get into the story today, so I want you to think about this. When was the last time you've been in an environment where you were the outsider? where you stepped somewhere and you didn't know anybody. Come on, some of y'all just recently started a job. There's always this fear of stepping into something new, getting to know people. Some of y'all, the last seven days, you went with your spouse to their Christmas party, and they knew everybody, you knew nobody, and you're in this environment. Come on, what's it like to feel like when you are the outsider? It's a little bit of fear. How are people going to uh, receive me? So, in this story, I want us to look at Ruth, because as I think about this, this Christmas story, I'm inviting you to do that very thing. I'm inviting you to invite people to come with you next week to the mount. This idea of Christmas at the mount, you're going to invite someone, and if they've never been here before, they're coming as an outsider. Can we just imagine what is going on in their head and heart when they show up for the very first time? How is this church going to treat people that are coming in for the very first time? Listen, that's a challenging thing. And so what I want us to do is I'm going to give you a little homework assignment. And I want to kind of push you a little bit, both campuses, because I want you to pay attention to conversations that are already happening all around you. Come on, put on your spidey senses. And as you're listening to people at school or at work or maybe you're getting a cup of coffee in the morning or maybe you're at a restaurant or maybe you're in your neighborhood, as you're listening to conversations, I'm going to give you three prompts. And if you hear one of these three prompts, I want you to take that as your cue to invite them to come with you to Christmas at the Mount. Come on, are you all with me today? You're right, Pastor. I'm with you. Yeah, give me that, right? I get it. I get it. I get it. Here's your first prompt. Here's your first prompt. If you hear a conversation this week, somebody say things just aren't going well. Okay? Now, they might be talking about things not going well at work or maybe in a relationship or maybe in their marriage or their family. If you hear somebody saying something about things not going well, that's your cue to what? To invite them to Christmas at the Mount. Y'all willing? Y'all willing? All right, here we go. Next thing I want you to hear, if you hear somebody say, hey, I wasn't prepared for that. Or, hey, we weren't prepared for that. Maybe it was, we weren't prepared for that change. We weren't prepared for that that conflict. I wasn't prepared for that challenge. I wasn't prepared for that crisis. We weren't prepared. If you hear somebody saying that, that is your prompt. That is your cue to invite them to Christmas at the Mount. Come on, Freshberg. Y'all with me today? Because they're not here. I need your help. I need your help. And then the last thing I want you to pay attention to is someone says, hey, we're not from here. Listen, this is a moving community. We live in northern Virginia. Somebody's always moving in. If there's some, they're an outsider, I'm not from here, then that's your cue to say, oh, you ought to come with me and my family to Christmas at the Mount. All right, we're rehearsing it this week. So this week you're going to be haunted in Jesus' name the next seven days hearing everybody talk with you like that. Now, listen, I love there's a thing that we do at our church. We do baptism stories. I love baptisms. And we all do about five or six times a year. And this last Sunday, we did a baptism service. And one of the stories, I thought, oh, wow, that's good. Uh, I want you to listen to a lady named Kim as she gets personal about how she was invited here to the mount. Pay attention to this story. Watch this.
5: This is Kim's story. Before accepting Christ, my life was a chaotic mess. I was not happy with life at all. I wasn't happy in my marriage, and we fought all the time. It seemed I was always mad, and people couldn't even approach me in fear of how I would react. I was ready to give up. I came to the Mount about seven years ago, but it never clicked. I felt like I was being pushed by my friends who invited me. Then, one service, we got our youngest daughter who couldn't stop crying. We got this call out of service, and we never went back. Ironically, it was the same daughter who brought us back to the mount. She kept asking us to take her to church, so we decided on October 13th that we would go ahead and take her just to get it over with. That morning, I even wrestled with going, but I did it. Something was different that day from the beginning of the worship team's first song to Pastor Todd's sermon that spoke directly to me. After services, we went up to the pastor and I committed my life to Christ on the spot. My husband and I both walked out of the church shaking and in tears. Not bad tears, good tears. I want to be baptized today to show how committed I am to my faith and to show my family and friends my commitment to Christ for the rest of my life. I cannot do life without Christ. I need him with me Every day to help guide me through. Kim, with that great profession of faith, pastor's gonna baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
4: Come on, is that not good? (laughs) No. That's good. Kim, thank you for letting us share your story today. When I thought about Kim's words, I loved it that she said, we came and we didn't like it. <laughs> and then they left and didn't come back for years. And I love it that the invitation of their youngest, we got to go to church. And then it's like, let's just get this over with. And then I love how God invaded their space that day and how they were received that day that changed everything now this story gets a little more personal to me because their oldest daughter is in my Hannah. my oldest daughter is first year teacher fourth grade and she's teaching their daughter and so it's neat how they even got to meet at meet the teacher night and get to share in kind of that moment but I love that God's brought y'all here to us and that you're a part of our family now praise the Lord praise the Lord matter of fact uh I say we're one week away from Christmas can you imagine listen this next Saturday my Hannah gets married uh-oh so we're going to take up another offering right now. <laughs> Get into the Bible, you people. Come on, Ruth, chapter 1. At Chapter 2, here we go. Verse 1, here we go. Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, hey, let me go to the fields and pick up leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. So she went. She went out and she entered a field and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Come on. I titled today's message, No Opportunity. Come on, note takers. Y'all need to write that down. No Opportunity. Today, Ruth shows us with her example that an opportunity doesn't happen without a step without taking a step. Ruth, come on, here she is. She's the outsider, but we discovered last week that she was willing to make a commitment to Naomi and a commitment to God. And this is powerful to see. Now, we pick up in the story in chapter one where Naomi was doing that whole anti-evangelism thing. Come on, y'all know? And she's, you know, we're at church telling you, invite people to, to church, invite people to Jesus. She's doing the opposite. She said, Ruth, Go home. Ruth, go home to your people. Go home to your gods. Don't follow me. Don't follow my God. Some of y'all do this at work every week. Don't follow my God. But no, I love what Ruth says. She says no. She says don't urge me to leave you, to turn back from you. Where you will go, I will go. Where you will stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God, we believe this is one of the most powerful confessions of faith in the Old Testament. This declaration of her faith and following after God. But this is the chapter, will we move to chapter 2, where we see if Ruth is for real. Come on, this is where we ask the question, is she smoking what she's selling? Wrong crowd. Is she practicing what she preaches? Is she <laughs> practicing what she preaches? Listen, this is when we got to ask. And listen, maybe i say it this way. This is one to write down. Making a commitment is a start, but making a change requires a step. I'm going to say that again. Come on. Making a commitment is a start, but making a change requires a step. Listen, in this journey here at Christmas at the Mount, we're talking about how to know joy. How to know joy. Last week, Naomi had to find out how to battle bitter. What a message last week God spoke through Katie Hawkins. Powerful. But this week, we're going to pick up in Ruth. How does she know joy? She's going to learn that joy gets her on a road where she's got to take a step to become better become better. Come on, note takers, write that down. I want to show you four steps in this chapter she takes that I think are always required if you want to see your commitment grow into something more. Look at the steps that she has the courage to take. Step one, write this down. Come on. Responsibility. Responsibility. Ruth's commitment is to take care of Naomi, her mother-in-law, and it gets backed up by her taking responsibility for both of them. I love it. She says this in verse 2. She says, let me go. Let me go out in the fields. I'll pick up all the leftover grain. I'll take care of us. I'll take care of us, Naomi. Ruth takes a step, and by taking a step, she begins to move forward. Have you ever heard the phrase, it's, it's always harder to steer a parked car. Isn't that true? You can, can't even turn the wheel, but you get a car moving, and all of a sudden it frees up that wheel. Listen, you got, you got to take a step. you got to begin to move forward. I wonder for you this year, if we're talking about knowing joy, what right now is is maybe blocking out joy for you? What is it this year that you know you you want something more, you want to make a commitment, but there's something about that commitment that you go... Just not real sure. You know, there's something you need to confront. Maybe there's someone you need to confront. Something needs to change, yet, your commitment hasn't led you to take that step yet. I wonder, what is it? What is it? Come on, what is it? What is it? Listen, this is the season where we all kind of evaluate our year and our life, and we go, oh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm not in the best shape right now, but, man, it's Christmas. I don't want to do it yet. Let me wait to the new year, right? It's this idea I'm not ready to take the step yet. Or, or maybe it's not that. Maybe it is that idea of finances. And of course, again, it's Christmas, right? And we're, we're going to, okay, in the new year I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do better, right? And it's this idea, when are you going to take that step if that commitment is real? What is it in front of you? Some of you are miserable in a job, and and when are you going to do something about that? You know, if you want to take a step, what is a step that's required? Because to sit back and just stay stuck is not the reality. When are you going to be willing to take some responsibility? Some of you are in a a toxic, toxic dating relationship. And yet, God's clearly said, here's what you need to do. And you're like, ah, the fear Of being alone is worse than being in the worst relationship that you're in. It's this decision making time. What do I do? What do I do so that nothing blocks out the joy? Well, listen, Ruth shows us you got to start moving. You got to start trusting. You got to start believing what could be possible. This commitment of taking responsibility. I love this. When people make spiritual decisions here, we are a church about steps. We've created a kickstart. A group where it's going to be a place where you can begin to take those initial steps with God. I love that our whole process of getting you connected to the Mount is next steps. Why? Because we want to help somebody that's beginning with Jesus or somebody that's beginning with Mount Ararat to clearly know here's what you can do to begin to belong in a greater way. This idea of being responsible is important. Come on, I can't say it loud enough. Commitment leads to responsibility. And and I wonder sometimes that we miss this, but Ruth is showing it to us again. But watch this, write this down. The second thing we see is not just responsibility, she takes initiative. I love this. Ruth's responsibility reveals initiative. You see, salvation, which we talk a lot about here at the Mount, people beginning with God. Salvation is always about a relationship with God. And our discipleship is always about a spiritual journey or a walk with God. I like that we call it a walk because it's about steps. It's about us walking our faith out in steps. And so what we see here in Ruth is she's willing to go out and glean. Now, as I was thinking about that, <laughs> I thought about Ruth's dilemma here. Here she's a mourning wife. Here she's in a new country. Here she's thinking, what do I do next? She could easily stay stuck, right? But I love, I love that. I love this. She's got a dilemma here. She could, she could sit on her blessed assurance and stay stuck and continue to starve, or she could take a step, she could take some initiative here. I love, I love what we see here in this picture. Now, gleaning wheat and barley kind of gets lost on us because we're not an agrarian culture like they were then in this setting. And this whole idea of graining wheat, thats it. we don't really know what that really means. And, and maybe you're here today, the reason you don't know or like it, because maybe you're gluten-free, right? That might be your issue, right? And, and I get that, I get that. But maybe, maybe the reason why wheat's not good for us, because of the processing. Come on, that's a whole other sermon for another day. But, but can we just see this? The picture of wheat and barley is food and sustenance. It's survival for Ruth and Naomi. I want you to see this. Now, man, I'm telling you what, I, I love the Bible. Anybody love the Bible? I love how there's always a story before the story. That we're looking at the story of Ruth that sets up the story of Jesus, right? Bethlehem. But I love that deep in the story, there's already some other words that have spoken to what's going to happen here in the story of Ruth. Come on, check this out, check this out. Back in Deuteronomy, Moses, he he gets to share about what we're going to do in the land and how we're going to do it in the land. Deuteronomy chapter 24, this is so cool. I'm going to read it to you. Verse 19, he says this, he gives this instruction. When you're harvesting, when you're harvesting in your fields you overlook a sheaf do not go back and get it leave it for come on what's it say there foreigner Foreigner. that's another word for outsider leave it for the foreigner the outsider the fatherless the widow so that the lord your god may bless you in all the work of your hands now that's kind of a strange request is it not Hey, don't do such a good job gleaning your fields. Leave some left over so you can help those in greater need to come behind you. Why in the world would God give Moses that instruction? Why would Moses give the people that instruction? Well, ding, 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 we don't have to go very far. Look at verse 22. He says, why? Here it is. Remember, remember that you were slaves in Egypt. That is why I command you, to do this. I don't want you to forget where you came from. Come on, are you with me? I'll get get kind of preachy here for a minute. This idea of remember, remember, remember where you came from. Remember that God found you. Remember that you've been forgiven. Remember that you've been set free. Come on, don't forget God rescued you. And if God did that for you, you get to be a blessing to someone else. Come on, is that not preaching today? Yeah, all two of you. I'm just telling you, don't forget. You know what happens to Christians? We forget a lot of times what God has done for us. And when we forget, then we forget people around us that need us to help them. Don't forget. Don't forget. Don't forget. You know what I love today that we're talking about ministry partners? I like that part of the message. Because what I love about our ministry partners, they're getting it done. But what my ministry partners do that we work and serve locally, we realize... Your giving can hurt people too. Did y'all know that? I'm going to show it right here in Ruth's story. Your giving can hurt people if you remove their responsibility and their initiative. Come on, don't don't take that away from them. I love that it says, leave it here, but they got to what? They got to be responsible. They got to step out here and they got to begin to take some ownership too. I I love this about ministering and caring for people because if the goal is to move people forward, then we got to help them to what? To take a step. The goal is not to keep people in a situation where they sit back and just keep giving, giving, giving. No, the goal is to what? Is to free people to live. Come on. This is what this is about. Come on, Pastor Mike, you amen on that one, right? You know, when I'm thinking about this idea of what God's trying to do, this is, this is power and empowering here that I don't want us to quickly pass over this. One of our ministry partners is compassion restoration. Now, I love that ministry for uh, several reasons. One, it was birthed in the hearts of people that are right here seated among us, listening to sermons saying, now how do I go be the church? They saw needs in our community that could be met if we just simply rallied the church together to go out and meet some of these needs. Now, they only showed you two parts of their ministry, cutting firewood, which you can come and do and help us to keep people with wood-burning stoves, keep their houses warm. But then they also have the one they're getting most traction with is the car ministry. Now, you know what I love about the car ministry is that he just celebrated. They gave 50 cars away so far this year. Is that not powerful? Can I tell you this ministry is 100% volunteer. There's no overhead for staff. Nobody's taking a paycheck. Can I tell you they have a few volunteers that pulled off giving away 50 cars. What could they do if more people said, you know what, I can come and help on a Saturday and help work on cars. What if they could do if we said hey I got an old car instead of me getting maybe a 500 bucks for a trade in I'm going to give it to you cuz I think you can do more with it what if they could what could happen if we just begin to believe and you know what I love about a car is when they gift somebody with a car you know what they say you're now responsible for this car You're responsible to put gas in it, to change the oil in it and all the fluids in it. You're responsible now to rotate the tires. This is your vehicle. But you know what it does? It's empowered them now to what? Drive their kids to get their kids to school on time. It's empowered them now to what? Drive to work and to keep working so they can what? Help themselves move forward. Can I tell you, our giving, we should never give where we take somebody's responsibility and initiative away. Come on. Did you believe that? Side note, that's a good parenting message right there. Kids, you're welcome. Merry Christmas. Parents, love your kids, but don't remove responsibility and initiative. Come on. We've got to help people. And I love that Ruth, Ruth shows us what walking in her faith actually looks like. Watch this. Come on, let's just keep reading the Bible. Come on, y'all like the Bible? Here we go, here we go. I'm having to convince you all about a lot today. Here we go, here we go. Just then, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem, and he greeted the harvesters. The Lord be with you. And they all answered back, the Lord bless you. Boaz asked the overseer at the harvesters. He said, hey, (laughs) hey, who, who does that young woman belong to? Y'all heard Ruth is a love story, right? The overseer replied, oh, she is the Moabite who came back from Moab with Naomi. And then she asked early this morning, please let me glean and gather among the sheaves behind the harvesters. So she came into the field and has remained here. Come on, she's a hard worker. She has remained here from morning all the way till now. She only took a short rest in the shelter. So Boaz goes over to Ruth and he says to her, my daughter... Listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field. Don't go away from here. Stay here with the women who work for me. Watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. And whenever you're thirsty, hey, go over there and drink from that water jar that the men have filled. At this, God, Ruth was so overwhelmed at this kindness. She bows her face down to the ground, and she asked him. She says, why have I found such favor in your eyes that you notice me? And watch how she refers to herself. Come on, what did she say? A foreigner. I'm nothing but an outsider. Come on, is that not good? You see what God's beginning to show us through her steps. She's gonna take a third step, and the step is called sacrifice. It's called sacrifice. Commitment requires sacrifice. Come on, y'all know that, right? Come on, in the new year, I'm going I'm to get in shape again. Guess what? You're going to have to sacrifice for that to happen. You can't just say, I'm committed to it. you got to take a step and actually show up, either it's early or it's late, to get the work done. And can I go ahead and tell you, the first two weeks are going to be terrible. You're going to hate it, right? And this idea of sacrifice, come on, I want, the, I want the new job. I want the promotion. Can I tell you, if you want it, it's going to require sacrifice. Hey, parents, you want to be a better parent in the new year? It's going to take some sacrifice. You want to get better in your relationships, better in your marriage? It's going to take sacrifice. And Ruth is showing us this. Ruth leaves, first of all, the comfort of her own homeland, her parents, her family. And she goes to a land she's never lived in before. And then on this particular day, she leaves the comfort of staying back with Naomi to go out into a strange field and begin to pick up the grain. Not just for herself, But for Naomi, can you realize we get lost in this? We don't understand this. But there's a tension here, how dangerous it is for a single female to go out and glean in the fields. Now, we kind of get a little head nod to it when Boaz says, hey, don't go to another field. Stay in this one because you never know what may happen if you go to another field. You might get misused, you might get taken advantage of, you might be hurt. And I want to keep you safe so you can keep taking care of your Naomi. There's something about this step. There's something about this sacrifice that gains attention of the overseer of the field and gains attention of even Boaz. Come on, let's keep reading. Come on, come on all you ladies in the room that want your Boaz. Here we go, here we go, here we go. (laughs) Boaz replied... I have been told all about what you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband. How you left your father and mother, your homeland, and you came to live with the people that you did not know before. May the Lord repay you for what you have done. May you be richly rewarded by the Lord, the God of Israel under whose wings you have come to take refuge. She says back to him, may I continue, may I continue to find favor in your eyes, my Lord. You have put me at ease by speaking kindly to your servant. And though I do not have the standing of one of your servants, you see at mealtime, Boaz said to her, hey, (laughs) <laughs> Is that say that in your Bible? How are you doing? <laughs> he said, come over here. Have some bread. Come on, dip it in that wine vinegar. Welcome to Carrabba's. <laughs> and when she sat down with the harvesters, he offered her some of the roasted grain. She ate all that she wanted, and she had some left over. As she got back up to go glean Boaz gave orders to his men. He said, let her gather among the sheaves. Don't reprimand her. Even pull out some stalks from her for the bundles and leave them for her to pick up. Come on, we want her to keep being responsible. We want her to take initiative. We want her and her sacrifice to be rewarded. Don't rebuke her. So Ruth gleaned in the field until the evening. Come on, this is a hard worker. Start at the beginning of the day all the way to the end of the day. And she threshed, she threshed that barley that she had gathered. And it amounted to about an ephah. Come on, an ephah, an ephah. Y'all know what an ephah is? Crossfit, that's 30 pounds. Come on. She's the original crossfitter. She's sandbagging this stuff right here. And she didn't just carry it. She carried it from the fields all the way back to town to her mother in law and saw just how much she had gathered. Ruth also brought out and gave her what she had left over from earlier in the day that she had not eaten enough. Come on, there's something about Ruth I want you to see here today. And it's this powerful sacrifice that leads to something greater. You see, sacrifices for the ones that we love. Don't you always sacrifice for the ones that you love? Isn't that important to you? You're willing to go that extra mile for the people that you love the most. Ruth shows us that, doesn't she? Come on, it's the same for you. It's the same for me. It's the same for her. We're going to sacrifice for the ones that we love. So, so as we look here at this story, I want us to get excited about what's happening here in the story. Because I want you to know as your pastor, I don't ever want to feel uncomfortable or awkward to come to you and call us, call you, call me, us to giving. Because giving is something that's built into the story of God. This idea of giving, I don't ever want us to be uncomfortable to talk about putting God first in every area of our lives, including finances, for us to give God first and to be able to give in consistent ways all year long and sometimes to give in sacrificial ways when when God calls us to. Because I want us to have a reputation in our community right here in Stafford, down in Spotsy. I want people to know that we're a giving church. Why? Because we're trying to make Jesus famous. And we're not afraid to give. Come on, we're not afraid to sacrifice for the ones that we love. And what we see here is this is that if you want to grow, it's about learning to sacrifice. Come on, can I call you to a new place? As we finish this year trying to know joy, what do you want to be better in? Do you want to be a better employee? You want to be a better friend? Come on, you want to be a better boyfriend? You want to be a better husband, wife? You want to be a better family member? You want to be better? Come on, a better parent? It's going to require what? Sacrifice. But are we willing to sacrifice for the ones that we love. Ruth, sacrifice leads to a greater outcome for her and Naomi. And they're about to discover something. Come on, this is what I love about the story. Come on. They're about to discover something. That when you step out with God, anything can change. Everything can change. Come on, let's just keep reading. Look at this, look at this, look at this. Her mother-in-law, when she showed up that day, she asked her, where where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be the man who took notice of you. And then Ruth told her mother-in-law about the one whose place that she had been working. She said, "Oh, that man of that field, the man I worked with today, his name is Boaz." <laughs> Naomi exclaimed, the Lord bless him. She said to her daughter-in-law, he has not stopped showing his kindness to the living and the dead. And then she added this detail. That man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. He's one of our kinsmen redeemers. And then Ruth the Moabite said, he even said to me, stay with my workers until they finish harvesting all of the grain. And Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, it will be good for you, my daughter, to go be with the women who work, work, work for him because in someone else's field, you might be harmed so ruth stayed close to the women of boaz she continued to glean until the barley and the wheat harvest were finished and she lived with her mother-in-law come on the word of god is strong today is it not i want to show you something the fourth step i want you to write down might not be a likely step but it's an important one it's the step of knowledge the step of knowledge You see, I believe this, we must continue to grow, we must continue to grow in what we know. Can I tell you this, as a Christian, you have not arrived yet in knowing everything about God yet. And that's a good thing. You know what that means? You have discovered so much grace, so much forgiveness, so much mercy. And can I just tell you, you haven't even scratched the surface of who God is. God says, we got to keep growing in what we know. And what I love is her willingness to take steps, first in responsibility and then initiative and then sacrifice. It opens her mind up to see something greater at work that she would have missed if she just sat at home that day with Naomi. She would have missed this. Now, Ruth gets interrupted when Naomi says let me tell you about this guy Boaz and she calls him a kinsman redeemer now I got to give you a little bit of teaching here so you can understand this can I tell you this there if there's one word to to, to describe what the Bible's about here it is it's the word called redemption redemption is God's plan in the whole Bible to redeem literally means to buy back it means you got a debt and only a redeemer can can buy it back and what happens here nestled in this story there is a tradition called the kinsman redeemer let me give you that definition it's the one in our family it's the one who will rescue it's the one who will redeem another relative in need And what we discover here is that rooted in the story, there's this story of redemption happening. Is this not really cool to see? Now listen, if you know the Bible, like like we're going to unpack here, this points back to an earlier date. Remember back in Exodus? Come on. Israel went to Egypt. Remember what happened to Israel when they were in Egypt? They became slaves. And they cried out to God, God, help us. We are Caught in slavery. Do you remember what the payment was to get them out of slavery? Y'all remember that payment? It was the cost of everyone's firstborn. Y'all know the story, right? The Spirit comes in to Egypt that night, and all the Egyptians woke up the next day to the death of their firstborn. Israel was given an instruction to put blood over the door frames of their house. So when the spirit came in, the spirit would pass over their house and their firstborn would be spared. Come on, y'all know this redemption story, right? This This is what it's like when God buys us back to free us up again to live. This redemption tradition is in it. And Boaz is the one that is possible to redeem our debt to redeem our our poverty to redeem us out of our situation and and yet in this idea the reason is it's because he is related to Elimelech which is Naomi's former husband you see Naomi begins to realize there's a greater story happening and Ruth's commitment now is leading her to greater knowledge which now opens up her eyes to the opportunity in front of her come on I know I get excited about some things, but this is so rich and so good. Do you all see this? Listen to me. When we look at this story of Ruth, it's only four chapters long. And I think it's such a significant picture of how easy it is to get stuck spiritually in our lives. I believe there's some people here, some people down in Fredericksburg watching online that are stuck in Ruth chapter one. The story of heartache and pain and famine have hit you and you've never moved out of chapter one. But chapter two is the next step in it. And we see Ruth have enough courage to, to what? To step out of her starvation, to step out of her struggle, and begin to take a step towards faith and in God. But you know what? I also believe there's a lot of people, even here today, that are stuck in Ruth chapter two. Listen, whether you're stuck in one or two, you still didn't read the rest of the story. There's chapter 3. Oh, good news, there's even chapter 4. you got to keep moving through the story. You know what I mean by getting stuck in chapter 2? Some of you are stuck in chapter 2 where you're in a situation where you're still just trying to feed off of leftovers. And you're just trying to survive the struggle that you're currently in. But you're still stuck nonetheless. Are you all with me? Okay, what do I mean by this? I mean this, our God wants to give gifts and you've received the gifts, but you have not yet really received the giver. Hello? You know what? it's so easy to get stuck to say, God, help me, help me, help me, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. And God says, come to me and I'm the giver of more gifts than just this. Don't want the gifts of God. I want the giver of God. I want deeper communion with God. Is anybody with me today? That's what he wants for us. But we don't get deeper communion if we're not willing to take the step of faith to trust him in what we do not see. Come on, i don't get excited about that kind of stuff. I don't know if y'all do. Listen to me. Listen, Ruth's story proves you never know what will happen when you step forward with God. Now, we could sit back and get cynical. Come on, it's Christmas, and we're singing joy to the world, and I'm not experiencing any joy in my life. And then we could look at this Ruth story and say, that's just coincidence, Pastor. So let's just play that. Let's play that road just for a minute. Just coincidence. Just so happens, Ruth decides to go work in a field. And it just so happens to happen to be the field of Boaz. It just so happens that Boaz is a potential kinsman redeemer. It just so happens that Boaz happens to go to the field on the very day that Ruth's in the field. It just so happens that he goes to the field and says, hey, and they begin to talk, and he shows her kindness on that day. Is all of this just one big coincidence, or is God telling a greater story that Ruth would have never experienced if she didn't step forward in faith? Too many of us were missing the joy because we're not walking with Jesus. And Ruth is trying to help us to see. Now listen, don't get lost in the sauce here. Can I give it clear here? There is also something else happening here. And last week we looked at, we looked at Naomi. This week we're going to look at Ruth. Next week, next Sunday we're going to look at Boaz. And we could look at each of these lives and go, oh, they're the hero, they're the hero, they're the hero. Listen, these are three faithful people that they're showing what faithfulness looks being lived out, walking their faith out. They're good, but they're not the hero of the story. Y'all know that, right? Come on, the hero of this story is God. Why do I say that? Because in this story of Ruth, you know what she discovers? God says, I'm paying attention to you, Ruth, and my plans will prevail. Is that not good news? Ruth realizes I'm not forgotten. God's paying attention to me, and he's got plans that nobody can stop. What's true for Ruth is true for you too. It's true for me too. I just what I gotta take a step. I gotta take a step. Now listen, I'm gonna get our worship teams both back up at this campus. And as they come to get it kind of in this place, I just wanna, I just wanna lean in just for a final moment. For us to see the story of Ruth and what it's gonna call for you and for me and what step we need to take. So I'm gonna go back to the title of the series No Joy. What do you see? <laughs> no, joy. no joy. No joy. No joy. What do you see? You know, in that, come on, say it with me No joy. No joy. No joy. No joy. Are y'all hearing it? You see K-N-O-W, you see N-O. What is your experience right now? Is there anything right now blocking the joy? Because then you're gonna begin to discover this Christmas God wants you to face that. It's time to surrender that. It's time to confront that. It's time to change that. Are you willing to go where God is calling you to go because without steps you stay stuck you stay stuck there's no joy there's no joy there's no joy come on is God speaking to somebody today I'm praying and believing this last hour God is being personal with somebody sitting here with us, somebody at Fredericksburg come on Pastor Andrew you're with me right you're with me online right what are you experiencing this Christmas you see when we start to have to step It's scary. Matter of fact, it's easier to stay in a comfort zone because it's known, even if it's wrong, even if it's bad. I know it. I know it, right? But to step, oh, that's scary. What could happen? I wonder if you're willing to take a step. What's that step you need to take today? You see, you've been using a lot of excuses of why you're in the situation you're in. What if you laid that excuse down and you simply took a step of responsibility and owned what you need to own right now. Come on, take some initiative right now. Take a step. Is it gonna cost you something? Absolutely. I'm not, I'm not lying to you about that. There's a sacrifice. Is your sobriety worth the step? Come on. Is your marriage worth the step? What's the step? What's the step? I'm telling you this, God wants to tell you there's a bigger story He's wanting to whisper today to you to say, I'm paying attention. I'm watching you, and I'm for you. You think I hate you. You think I'm against you. I'm for you. I just want you to take a step with me. Would you trust me? Would you trust me? Would you trust my ways over your ways? Would you trust my plans over your plans? But see, maybe in all of this, the scariest step, the reason it's hard to step out of the comfort zone is because we're afraid of the risk. Isn't that really what it's after? Come on, if I take that step, what if someone doesn't go with me? If I take that step, what if they betray me? If I take that step, what if they reject me? What's at risk? Come on, I'm here to tell you, there's something more risky, it's not stepping and it's missing the plans that God wants to have. It's missing the joy that God wants to have. Can I just shoot straight today? What is the step that you need to take? I said a moment ago, some of y'all are in a toxic dating relationship, and it's flat out sinful and wrong, and God's already called you out of it. It's time for you to take some responsibility and take a step. Come on. How long are you going to live together? Take the step. Get married or break up. I mean, what's the step? Can I be that straight today? Because you're going to miss the joy of what God wants to be and what he wants to do through. Come on. Don't be afraid. Whatever it is. Come on. It's emotional. Take the step. Get into counseling. If it's it's spiritual, take the step. Get in the group. Take the step and watch, just like Ruth, what God can do when we just have enough risk to trust the Lord in it all. Is this speaking to somebody today? Come on. Pray with me both campuses. Father God, I'm gonna trust you with the outcome you are our result father I don't know what you're saying to each person but I love the fact Holy Spirit you're having a one-on-one conversation and you have uncovered some things in our life that need attention God today in faith alone I pray God that we would that we would come to you face to face and realize that you're not against but you're for you love us too much to leave us stuck and to leave us starving. God, praise you for that. But sometimes when you confront us and you reveal to us that we're falling short, it stings to get reminded initially. But God, sometimes we have to stay there long enough to see that that's actually your kindness for us, to give us the truth and then to wrap us with grace. God, I'm praying for somebody here today, somebody at Fredericksburg today, online, That's just like Naomi. They walked away from you. Something happened that hurt them, and they walked away. And maybe they've been away for some days, some weeks, some months, years. Maybe like Naomi, they've been away for a decade. And this Christmas, you're going to call them to come home, to come to Bethlehem. God, I pray for that step, that they would take that courage, and they would return to a relationship with you Jesus Oh God thank you for grace and mercy and forgiveness and second chances I pray for the person returning returning come on God get us there God I thank you that so many of us are like Boaz we have been so richly blessed in so many ways and we can turn around and give so much to so many people around us God you have called the insider to be an inviter God this next seven days I pray we would break out in a sweat when we'd hear those prompts and in a good sweat to invite somebody to join us with our family to come with us to the Mount at Christmas. God, may we not shy away from our responsibility to invest and invite and to receive the outsiders here at the Mount. God, help us, lead us, we surrender all to you. But God, I'm convinced today somebody's here today, somebody's here this morning that needs to begin a relationship with you. Just like Ruth, they've gotta be bold in their commitment and take a step of faith. God, who today, what man, what woman, doesn't matter the age, God, from the most senior person to the youngest child in the room. God, today, they need to begin with you. They need to begin a relationship with you, Jesus. And the good news is they don't have to wait till Christmas Eve to make their commitment. God, today, Christmas just came early. But it's time to confess you as Lord of their life and to believe what you can do and only you can do. God, who needs to do that right here, right now? Come on, at Fredericksburg Online, right here in this room. If that's you, I know it. God read your mail and he's talking to you right now. You need to open the door and step into a relationship with him. Come on, right there where you're seated. Talk to him. Say, God, you have met me right here in this sermon today. Tell them. Say, I realize I need you. I need grace. I need forgiveness. I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. I need Jesus. Now may I walk for you. May I know joy. In Jesus' name I pray, I love it, I love it. Every hour God has reached somebody for Jesus. I'm wondering right here today, who did he reach in this moment? At both campuses, head bowed, eyes closed, I'm gonna count to three, when I hit three, just simply put your hand right above your head, quickly and my prayer team's gonna be there for you. Come on, don't be afraid. One, two, three, right now, hands up. Today, Pastor, I prayed, today I believed, Today, I'm giving my life to Jesus. I just trusted and believed. Come on, that was me. Keep it up till we get to you. Till we get to either campus. If you're online right now, click that button and say, That was me, Pastor. That was me. Come on. Father God, thank you that salvation's come to our house this morning. We can't wait to see what's going to happen next Sunday, next Monday, and next Tuesday at Christmas at the Mount. God, we lift it up to you as praise that we may walk the road where we may really know joy this year. Thank you for a reminder today that you are surrounded around Ruth and Naomi and their struggle. Just like you're surrounded around us right here, right now. God, you are greater. And God, we come and worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on. Amen. Let's stand and sing.